Welcome to the Consumer Rights Talk, where we discuss all things at the intersection of consumer rights and the law, including issues in foreclosure, debt collection abuse, student loans, credit reporting, and more. I'm your host, Attorney Adam Deutsch with the Northeast Law Group and northeastlawgroup.com. Visit our website for more information. Thank you for listening, and as always, remember the information shared in this recording is not legal advice. Welcome back to the Consumer Rights Talk. Today we're going to talk about a topic that is a real growing concern, and that is disparity in uh, the legal process. And what I mean by that is people who are represented or not represented by attorneys. And there's growing information that shows there's really a huge disparity, and people think that they cannot access legal representation, whether there's a cost barrier or a belief that there aren't attorneys interested in handling a case. And we're going to talk about how those beliefs are not accurate, why it's so important to get an attorney, even if it's a a relatively small issue that you think you're facing. And I'll give you an anecdote of of my own, uh, where I once represented myself, only to uh, regret it. So even attorneys need representation. So I came across this study released by the National Center for State Courts, and it's called The Landscape of Civil Litigation in State Courts. I'll put a link up on the website over at northeastlawgroup.com, the podcast section of the site. Now, they put out this report once every 10 years or so, and what they do is they, they looked at all civil cases that were not of domestic disputes you know, between uh, partners. And this specifically looked at data from July 1, 2012 through July 30th, 2013. They look at 152 different courts in 10 urban counties, and they analyzed more than 900,000 cases, which was estimated to be roughly 5% of all civil cases in state court throughout the country. So one thing that jumps out here is that nearly two-thirds of all the cases were categorized as contract disputes, which includes debt collection cases and foreclosure cases and landlord-tenant lawsuits. And of, of those three categories, that was uh, well over 80% of, of that contract area. There's a second area they look at, which is uh, they refer to as basically small claims, and we're talking about limited jurisdiction courts. So, for example, in both uh, New Jersey and Massachusetts, there's a, there's a uh, special civil claims court that caps uh, the, the claims at $15,000, and in, in that situation, the overwhelming majority of those cases are also in the collections area. And so we know that uh, the overwhelming majority of civil lawsuits all have to do with basically collections and that type of, of contract dispute. And, you know, the what, what comes out here is that there's a huge disparity in the representation of parties. Back in 1992, there was a similar study that found 95% of all litigants, whether you were the plaintiff bringing the lawsuit or the defendant, were represented by counsel. 1992, 95% of all people stepping foot in court had an attorney. You fast forward to the 2012-13 period, and that dropped in the following way. Now, 92% of all people bringing lawsuits, the plaintiffs, have an attorney. Now, that's still a very high number. But get this, only 26% of all defendants are represented by an attorney. 
just about one quarter of all people sued, and obviously that means 75% are going unrepresented, stepping foot in court on their own. Now, only 24% of all cases had a situation where both sides were represented by attorneys. What this means is that in 75% of all lawsuits, there's a huge disparity between the two parties stepping foot in court. And when it comes to the contract dispute areas with foreclosure and debt collection, it's 77% of all defendants are not represented. And when we look at the limited jurisdiction courts that, you know, 15,000 and under, 87% of defendants are not represented by an attorney. That's a real problem. Why? Well, look, in a civil lawsuit such as a debt collection action, the party that files the suit has the burden to prove that they're entitled to relief. A person representing themselves remains obligated to follow all of the procedural rules of court and rules of evidence, which are complicated and confusing. And judges often don't give self-represented defendants any leeway. They hold you to the same standards as if you had an attorney there. And that is just not a realistically fair system, but you know it's, it's what they have to apply. That alone means that you're at a huge disadvantage if you represent yourself in court. Oh, look, there are other reasons not to represent yourself. I said at the top that I once represented myself, and it was, in fact, in a small claims court. Uh, I had, I was just uh, finishing up law school, had a laptop on warranty that I sent in for repair, and when it was shipped back, it came back damaged, and so I had a lawsuit against the uh, the carrier who, who delivered the package and, and left it out in the rain, even though it needed to have a signature on delivery. And I went in representing myself, and what I found is uh, there's a huge disadvantage to doing so because when you represent yourself, things have a different um, personal aspect to it. You feel really personally attacked, and you become more emotional about the situation, and it's harder to view the situation from from really a pure objective standpoint, even with full knowledge, um, you know, having just finished law school and, and passed the bar and being a newly minted attorney, I really couldn't separate myself. And, you know, even with that knowledge, I felt like I was at a disadvantage. Now, imagine if you have no legal uh, education at all and you go in and represent yourself, you're really at a huge disadvantage. The small claims court, those limited jurisdictions, that's becoming a preferred venue for a lot of people bringing lawsuits, uh, particularly in the collections area. And, you know, it becomes a streamlined process, so it goes a little faster, and that's one of the reasons why they like doing so. Now, I can't begin to tell you the number of times that I've been contacted by uh, defendants, people who have been sued in small claims jurisdiction, and they've been sued by a third-party debt collector seeking to collect on a credit card debt, an auto loan, or a medical debt, as example. And in the overwhelming majority of these situations, I find errors within 15 minutes of sitting down and analyzing the file. That's errors in terms of the collector is adding additional fees or they don't have documents demonstrating that they're actually entitled to collect whatever they're suing on. Something that is problematic and, number one, would prevent them from getting relief in court. And, number two, that would actually entitle the defendant who's been sued to have a claim under the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, a federal uh, consumer protection statute against that third-party collector. And 
this becomes so important because most people think that they can't afford an attorney or they think that it's futile to get an attorney when they find themselves being sued in a small claims court. And those thoughts are wrong. I mean, I understand if you're being sued for $5,000, um, it might seem like, you know, at, maybe if I throw $1,000 at them, they'll walk away. And it's and you might prefer to do that than to retain a, an attorney. But, you know, there are, there are real risks involved and representation is much more affordable uh, than people might think, and oftentimes it can actually be free. So what are the risks of representing yourself in small claims? Well, number one, you're more likely to end up with a judgment, um, and that can have impact in a number of ways. You will end up owing money, which could actually be taken through a garnishment of wages, uh, which could have obviously further impact if you're on a real limited budget or, or just whatever the case may be. If all of a sudden uh, there's you know a few hundred dollars missing from your paycheck several months in a row, that's going to be uh, a huge disadvantage. Uh, you'll end up you could end up owing money, uh, having that judgment, and just being sued can have a negative impact on your credit score, which obviously impacts your ability to get credit down the road. Uh, it can also impact your ability to obtain a job. And oftentimes, if you end up being sued, you end up with a judgment, that can also have an impact on your employability. Uh, particularly, there there are a lot of um, certain government jobs and there are certain jobs in the financial industry in particular where uh, if you have a judgment against you, that's a red flag and you may not be able to get the job. So, uh, you know, retaining an attorney, which can help prevent all that, has a real impact potentially on you. Even if you don't think so in the short term, it can down the road uh, if you end up changing, you know, the line of work that you're in or anything of the sort. What are the benefits of, of looking for an attorney who specializes in this area? Well, number one, you could get a dismissal of the action. A lot of times, if you show up to court with an attorney, the other side says, well, this isn't worth it. And the reason is because oftentimes they're chasing the lowest hanging fruit. So if it means that they're going to end up in the middle of a battle uh, in court that could cost more money uh, for the debt collector, they're just going to withdraw and move on to the next person. A lot of times they're seeking to just uh, go after people who um, you know who don't even respond and, and contest the lawsuit. So if you show up uh, with an attorney, there's you can get it dismissed. And if you show up with an attorney who knows what they're doing and really can pick apart the other side's ability to prove their case, you can end up with a dismissal you know, on the merits from the judge. Um, you can also actually end up making money. So an example is if, in fact, you came, let's say, to Northeast Law Group and I, I sat down and met with you and I looked over the file and I noticed that the debt collector was charging you um, interest at a higher percentage than was on the actual, um, you know, um, debt agreement, okay, even if you defaulted, if they're now charging you a rate that's higher than they're allowed to, or if they're adding fees that's more than they're allowed to, then all of a sudden you have an affirmative claim under the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, and we can in turn uh, file a lawsuit against that debt collector, which would entitle you to statutory damages of $1,000, and you could also get actual damages, um, you know, depending on, on how much uh, damage you suffered, it could be a lot. And if it's one of these debt collectors who has really been harassing you and saying, you know, rude things, um, sending you uh, tons of phone calls, mail, etc., you may have other damages as well. 
And if you're successful, then the amazing thing is that the other side, that, that debt collector actually has to pay your costs of court. So the, the fee for filing the lawsuit, uh, for serving them, all of those fees. And they also have to pay uh, the attorney's fee for representing you. So, you know, you could be in a situation where you're being sued for just a couple thousand dollars and you think you can't afford someone, but go out and meet with someone, you know, at a lot of attorneys in the area, Northeast Law Group included, uh, you know, the consult is free. So you sit down, you find out if you have a case. And if you do, then all of a sudden you might be in a position where you're not only avoiding a judgment, but you're turning this into a net positive where um, you can really ward off the collector and put a little money in your pocket as well. So, you know, again, um, think about taking a look at this article. I found it interesting, um, and it talks about the disparities, but my goodness, to find out that, you know, three-quarters of defendants in this area are, you know, not having any representation and trying to take this on on their own, uh, that's scary. And it shows that there's really a major disparity and it shows that the legal profession is doing a bad job of serving its its people. I mean, the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, for example, and, and why I'm so involved in it is this statute was enacted with this fee-shifting provision because Congress said we got to, you know, we have to encourage attorneys to represent people who otherwise don't have access to uh, to legal representation. And so this is intended to to try and get representation for people who might not have financial means otherwise. The reality is that I've represented people who are earning well over $100,000 a year, and I've represented people who are uh, receiving public benefits in this area. And you know what I'm finding more and more is that when it comes to collections and it comes to billing errors, uh, it really does affect every income level. And what I'm finding more and more is that the belief that you can't have access to an attorney or that affordability factor affects people in all income levels as well. So something to keep in mind. And uh, if you want more information, obviously, please contact me. You can reach me at uh, email is adam at northeastlawgroup.com. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.